From born in the USA to death to my hometown, this is You Spring and Springsteen on My Bean? The comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things Bruce. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Hey, welcome back. Episode three. I just had an idea. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. What, Bruce or me? Because you should apologize to Bruce as well, because listen to him. Oh, man, I was going to sing hey, something. Hey, Bruce, 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 Just for a sec. I'm sorry to interrupt. All right. Okay. Um, and Scott, I'm sorry. No need to apologize. Oh, although I accept. I take it back. No, you, there, there's absolutely no take. I don't take apologies. it back from Bruce. Okay, I only take it back from you. All right, all right, fine. Bruce, I'm sorry, I don't take it back. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so my idea was, and let's just workshop this for a sec. Okay. I was thinking. Let's of, get it up on its feet. Let's get it up on its feet. Let's run it through its paces. I was thinking of for this episode, mm. not speaking, mm. but being here, hmm. but not participating in anything vocally. Huh. Interesting. Like, how do you think that would play? Interesting. I mean, I think there are no bad ideas. Thank you. Except for this one. Okay. This one is exceptionally bad. So there are bad ideas. I, no, I think there are zero bad ideas plus one. So there is a bad idea. Yes, one bad idea. And that's and you hit on it. Congrats, this. man. Okay. Incredible. Uh thanks. Yeah. I don't I mean, I I don't think that would make for good podcasting necessarily. We could try yeah. it though. Uh okay. You you want to just give it a shot real yeah. quick? Just um, for like right. 10, 15 minutes? T- 10, 15 minutes? Okay. 20. 20 minutes. Thank you. I was gonna say, let me stretch out. Sorry. Hey, everyone. Welcome. I'm out. (laughs) Going great so far. (laughs) No, I'm out. I'm out of ideas. Oh, you're out. (laughs) Yeah. What'd you think? I thought you were going to say that you're Alec Baldwin. I'm Alec Baldwin? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. So that's that's over. I I don't think I can handle it necessarily. I need you, buddy. I need you. Why would you even want to do something like that? I just thought it might be interesting for the people at home listening. It's almost like they could slot in whatever they wanted. They could the just start, like use their imagination. Yeah, like you could leave open space for the parts where I would be talking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then people could just fill it in. Yeah, let's not do it. What if, What if we did it, but you, in instead of you being silent during the spaces, you filled in what their imagination would be thinking with, uh, with. With, with your words speaking yeah 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 yeah. okay so instead of actually just saying what you would normally say say what their imaginations would be saying so for the remainder of this episode whenever i speak it's what your i'm speaking to the listener right now what your imagination is coming up with rather yes. than what i'm actually saying exactly yes so okay. i mean this is good for you because you have free reign to say whatever you want yeah <laughs> it's, it's not it's, my fault Yeah, it's not you it's them so the listener will get canceled for yes. all sorts of crazy shit. We're going shit. back to late 2000s podcasts. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. 
Uh, welcome to the show. Um, this is you springing Springsteen on my bean. Um, and uh, this is uh, our third episode of this show. Um, and this is the episode regarding the album Boring to Run. Boring hey. to Run. What? Born to Run. No, it's Boring to Run. It, oh. It's all about him on the treadmill. <laughs> it's boring to run. And then he cut it. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, why, why don't you get off the treadmill, run around your neighborhood? He's like, oh, this oh, is pretty good. Yeah, this is way better. <laughs> Exciting to run. That's what I should have called it, but. Way too late. It's already been pressed. Late. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yes, of course. Uh, we're talking about Bruce Springsteen and the Edible Street Band's um, classic Born to Run. Uh, that's what episode this is. And uh, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be listening to the songs. We're going to be talking about the history of it. All of that stuff. I think a lot of people would say it's 39 minutes and 23 seconds. Of rock and roll perfection. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think people would say that? I think it's, look, let's be honest. I think it's like 39 minutes, 22 seconds of rock and roll perfection. Yeah. There's a second in there where I'm like, this This fucking fucking bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I think it's great. Um, Of course, we'll talk about what we think about it a a little bit later. Uh, But first, Adam, by the way, let me introduce uh, my co host with the co most. Uh, he is, of course, on your TV screens, not so much these days, um, and uh, he'll be in the movies, uh, although I feel like yours got pushed back, or I can't remember your next movie. Who knows? Who knows, but you were in Boston filming it, we can't talk about it. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting, because it's not like you're promoting it, because it hasn't even come out yet. That's exactly right. So who gives a shit? <laughs> who cares? Um, uh, but uh, you know him. I, I'm sure if you saw him on the street, you'd be like, is that Ant-Man? Mm-hmm. And then you go, no, but I know him from something. Please welcome Adam Scott. Hey. Uh, hey. 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 <laughs> um, and I'm Scott Aukerman. Hi. You wouldn't even know me. Um. Unless you're one of the few special people out there who can recognize me by sight, like I like I was at the Hollywood Bowl the other day. Oh yeah, there was a nice gentleman, and uh, I'm assuming his special lady, and uh, he looked a lot like a friend of mine. And he went, Scott, and I smiled really big. I was like, yeah. Hey, and he goes, You don't know me. <laughs> like, oh, what a relief. <laughs> what were you doing at the Hollywood Bowl? I was, I was. Viewing, I guess you would say, yeah, uh, some rock and roll music. Oh, uh, it was both rock and roll. Yeah, there was a little bit of rocking, a little bit of rolling. Hmm. Um, very special show, the Fleet Foxes, as oh. well as My Morning Jacket. When was this? Like, uh, 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 well, it was supposed to be the day of the hurricane, uh-huh. earthquake rather. Yeah, and it got postponed. Luckily, because, because of the earthquake. Because of that, yeah. Although the ticket said rain or shine. P.S. No umbrellas allowed. <laughs> and um, why aren't umbre- umbrellas allowed? Because I think in the Hollywood Bowl they'd get in the way of the people behind oh, sure. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, it's part of the Parks and Rec. You you've heard of that? Oh yeah, no, uh, I'm not, was sir, part of this plan. 
part of, yeah. Oh, the, you were contacted about this? Yeah. Anything that has to do with parks. <laughs> so you closed down Griffith Park. You closed down Hollywood They got Bowl. us all out there, the whole cast. <laughs> putting up police tape. Like, this is all closed down, folks. <laughs> Even Ben Schwartz? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben was he leading. He led the charge. He was leading imagine. the whole yeah, thing. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, they closed it down. So it was rescheduled to, uh, uh, as of this taping, last Monday. And uh, it was really good. How do I not know about any of these shows? Well, okay. So I I think I went last summer. Last summer was probably the summer that rock and roll opened back up to the public. Yeah. Um, and I think I went last summer kind of in the, in your headspace going, wait, who played where mm-hmm. and what did they, how did you get on some email lists or I something? I wish, I wish, I wish there was one site that would just tell you, I know. I've, I've, I've seen a few of those and I've been on one, I found one at one point that like just listed every day, yeah. every single thing happening and I've never been able to find it again. <laughs> um, that would be amazing. Yeah. But because it, I know. From driving by the Hollywood Bowl, like I do almost every day, that's where I find out usually yeah. about who's playing there. Yeah, but the the one hundred and one is usually playing, right? Yeah, the one hundred and one uh, uh, freeway is usually playing. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's a different sign. Yeah, um, um, yeah. So you'll know Fleet you'll Fox know the is, day of or whatever. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have gone, even though I love my morning jacket and Fleet Fox. Why would you not have gone? I don't know. It, that's I'm a weird sure. position to take. I know. I I went there. I saw the cure. The cure. I could not get tickets for that. Can you oh, believe yeah. it? An '80s goth like myself. I feel like you. You didn't try hard enough. How am I supposed to try? I don't have I don't a know. big badass publicist anymore. No, even. ask Christy. She could get them for you. Christy, good. Yeah, I feel weird asking her for stuff. You, Christy. We're talking about Christy Brinkley, of course, who was in yeah. the front row during Billy Joel when when we saw her, and he dedicated Uptown Girl to her. And she gets us concert she tickets, console, or she gets yeah. me concert she, tickets. I, she has an in, obviously. Yeah, I feel bad talking to her because I think like, she calls Billy Joel, and then Billy Joel called the Cure. He's like, "Hey, this is William Joel here." Yeah, he calls himself <laughs> William with the Cure, only with the Cure as well, because they know him as William. Yeah. Um, because of the Smith song William, it was really nothing. It's a it's a hard hard thing to yeah. kind of parse out but, but it makes sense if you figure yeah. if you puzzle it together um but uh yeah i so what i do what i did was i just kind of went to every venue and i looked at the entire season and said oh, i want to go to this yeah, smart i want to go to this i want to go to I'd this i'd like to go to that and like to go to this a little bit of this a little bit of that i'm glad i wasn't there for that <laughs> particular <laughs> although i did go to uh, i almost asked you about this and then i then I was like, he's not going to want to go to this. What was it? But uh, I went to the Totally 80s live show at the Greek Theater. The person I was going with backed out a couple days earlier, mm-hmm. and I asked a few people, and then I was like, should I ask Adam? Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck no. Who was He'll it? He'll never Who's do this. Um, okay, we have Transex. We have The Untouchables. We have General Public. We have Belinda Carlisle. We hmm. have... Missing Persons, we have Wang Chung, we have Stacy Q. We was have it like Shannon. all day? No, it was 6 p.m. to 10.30-ish or so. I may have gone. Was it spread out like, was General Public and Untouchables and Belinda Carlisle all at the end of the night? They all played at the same time. Oh, yeah. So they all played at the same time for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds great. 
No, they all played three songs. Belinda Carlisle played seven because she was three headlining. songs. They all played three songs. The Untouchables. Wow. Uh, twelve people on stage by yeah, in my estimation. So how do they make a living? I don't know. They played four of these shows. I think they played Arizona and they played uh, here in San Diego, maybe in another place, Texas, maybe. And I was like, I is that a a private jet situation right. for the Untouchables, or is that a bus, or is that it's a, a van? Lot of people. Um, they're great. Yeah. No, I was really looking forward to seeing the Untouchables because I, I never got to see them back during the Me day. Neither. All my high school friends, we were all really into them. Yeah. And so I'm like, The Untouchables kind of almost sold it for me. They played second at 620. Oh, wow. For th- and and they played two songs. I'm like, these guys are good. And yeah. then right before the third song, this is our last song. It was like, what? Whoa. I audibly said, what? Weird. And then it, that was the thing. Everyone played three songs. Wang Chung played four. Now, were they great? Wang Chung I'd never seen, and they were really, really good. That doesn't surprise me. They Having have some good fucking songs. A ball up there. They played a cover of Should I Stay or Should I Go, where they were like, hmm. should we Wang or should we Chung? <laughs> Please tell me you're not kidding. I'm not. It was. You are serious? I'm 100% serious, and oh, it was very funny. Oh, my God. And it was, it was going into Everybody Have Fun Tonight. It was wow. just like kind of an intro. Should we wang or should we do, wow. do, 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 everybody? Wow. It was very funny. Okay. And they were laughing while they were doing sure. it and just having fun. They weren't all that self-serious. So they played Everybody Have Fun Tonight. And then, of course, they played Dance Hall Days, yeah. of course. And then their other minor hit. Um, what is that one called? That's called. I'm trying to remember what that other song was. Um, it's called, uh, oh, I don't even know. It was a minor hit, though. And then they also played uh, the uh, To Honor William Friedkin, which, by the way. Wang Chung paid tribute to William Friedkin. Yeah. Is this an episode? Oh, To Live and Die in L.A. I think this is an episode of I Love Films. 100%. Hey, everyone. Welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And um, talking about film, not movies, not although we flicks. love we love movies. Sure, we love no, flicks. listen, there's a time and a place for movies, and you know what that time is? Anytime you go out to a theater, oh sure, I love it. Uh, the popcorn, popcorn oh. just turning your brain off and just like enjoying some listen, dumb I, commercial piece of shit, just like the 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 Dolby sounds. Oh my God. Like the, just an overwhelming sensory experience that who cares if the movie is even good. The explosions, the <laughs> chase scenes, the MTV style Boom. cutting. Hasta love it all. Yeah. Love, love Arnold all of that. Schwarzenegger. L- Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like every movie that I've ever seen has Arnold Schwarzenegger. Every single Every one. single movie I've ever seen has Arnold I've only seen movies that he's even... Oh, there's a couple where he makes quick, like two second cameos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen those. Hey, too. if Arnie ain't in it, <laughs> I it. ain't going. Fuck it. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> um. Yeah, to live and die in LA. They did the theme. Um, and dedicated it to him. Is Fire in the Twilight, was that one of their... Did they have a uh, hologram? Guitar? Yes. Of William Friedkin? (laughs) Yes, the William Friedkin hologram. (laughs) Dancing along. (laughs) This is my favorite song. You know, William Friedkin 
was uh, obviously a great filmmaker. I don't know if, did you ever obviously. notice? Don't Let Go, I believe that is Wang Chung's other minor hit. Or maybe Wait. I feel like there's another big one other than Dance All Days, Everybody Have Fun Tonight. And you would be totally. wrong. Let's go, maybe. Uh, Everything else is like in the eighties on the uh, on the charts. W- William Friedkin. Um, I heard him on Fresh Air once. He sounds exactly or sounded exactly like Donald Trump. Really? Yeah. If you How, listen to do some your impression audio. of Donald Trump right now. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, but it, it was uncanny. Really? Maybe it was just this one like interview. This it was like 10 years ago once. or something. Anyway, I don't mean to disrespect the great William Friedkin because he was no, of course far not. cooler than Donald <laughs> Trump. Um, what is, I'm trying to remember what the other song that he they did was. Oh, it's Let's Go was the other song that they did. Let's Go. And that was, uh, I'll tell you where that hit on the charts. Let's Go... By the way, they have a song called Don't Let Go, and then hmm. there's one called Let's Go. It's like, guys, make up your fucking Let mind. Let go. Let's Go hit number 81 on the UK charts, which are usually a little more forgiving. And then in the US, it went to... Did it go to number nine in the US? Oh, holy shit, it went to number nine in the US. That's pretty big. Pretty big. Do you Can you hear? play that song? I don't yeah. know which one that is. Yeah, I'll look it up here. Now, um, by the way, we'll go to YouTube. Hopefully there's not a few ads because I don't have an ad blocker, so we'll see. Oh, nope. How do you, you get an ad blocker for YouTube? I don't know. This is an ad for um, my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. I know. I could tell just by listening to it. The most important journey you got us back to Greece is the one that brings you home. <laughs> You're the head of the family now. Me? Yeah, you. Hey, it's gonna be okay. My big fat Greek wedding three. Pick the one we have for dinner. I'm a vegetarian. No. Rated PG. Are we gonna do the outdoor screening of that? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, now there's an ad for. We know some TurboTax. This year, hire a tax expert. Maybe. Fiverr. Done. Fiverr. Okay, here we go. have in the video they have some geisha girls <laughs> i'm not sure because these are is this later period like this is this is like everybody have fun tonight era meet me and we'll talk the language of love meet you anywhere you want <laughs> restaurant Come on, ballroom. I'll meet you on a boring floor. (laughs) Ballroom floor. We'll float to a level above. Wow. I wish you'd drop what you're doing and get on the case. We could blow this existence right out into space. (laughs) By the way, if you're dating a woman, we could blow this existence (laughs) right out into space. (laughs) That does not sound good to me. (laughs) that um... (laughs) That sounds a little... Oh, here it is. Yeah, this is a hit. God, I don't remember this at all. Sounded good in, in concert, I gotta say. I, was I bet never, it did. I was never a huge fan of their, uh, other than I love Dance All Days. Yeah. But when everybody 
have fun tonight came out, I was like, is this stupid? Yeah. But now, now having seen them in concert, they know it's stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Obviously. And so they're laughing during it. Like, yeah. I always thought they were self-serious guys, so... Uh, but it was funny. So I, I was never that into them, but they played, they sounded really, really good. And you know who did. sounded the best was the guy, the lead singer of the Romantics put together like an all-star band with Clem Burke from Blondie hmm. playing drums and uh, one of the guys from Dramarama playing guitar. They played this that show. night? Mm-hmm. They played oh, four wow. songs as well and One in a Million sounded amazing. Huh. Um, yeah, Dance Hall Days is a great, I, I just heard that recently on the radio or something. Why? It's like, holy shit, this is a great song. Why? Yeah. What why did, did I he- why did they play it on the radio? No, why did you hear it? It was on the radio. <laughs> Sirius XM? <laughs> Heard of it? Uh this is the romantics with one in a million. This sounded so good. Do you know this song is a minor hit for them? I think so. Sounds like walking down the hall in a John Hughes high school-based movie. Oh, yeah. This is cool. It's a good song. Bruce Springsteen fans, how are you doing out there? Hanging in? similar melody to the Prince Cindy Lauper song. When You Were Mine? Yeah. Not this. One in a million. A billion to one. Hmm. I don't know. You so wait, you're one in a million. Wang Chung played after The Untouchables? Like when it oh, yeah. wasn't dark out yet? Uh, Untouchables played when it was light out, and by the w- time Wang Chung came out, it was it was dark. It was yeah. dark. Yeah, I, f- I feel like was it dark because the sun went down, or because they turned out the lights at the Greek theater? Well, they turned out the lights at the Greek theater, but this it's an outdoor arena, so mm-hmm. they instead they took about forty five minutes to pull a tarp over the entire audience. Okay, so then it got dark. Yeah, it got pretty dark. But the tarp it didn't have any support, so it was just on the heads of on all the, the heads, people yeah. in the audience. And then someone had some matches. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, no. And they came around one by one and blew them all out as oh, well. Yeah. So it took and like 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes to blow out all the matches. So long. But um, everyone was very, like, a couple people had matches, but no one turned the lights on in their phone. It was their cool. polite crowd. <laughs> well, because it's an 80s show. Everyone acts as if it's the 80s, so they don't bring their iPhones. Yeah, exactly. That would... Well, that that's one of the things that if you go to one of those shows... Anything that's been invented and any car that's passed yeah. 1989, they don't, don't allow in there. Allow. So, so everyone had roadie, rotary phones, <laughs> roadie phones. <laughs> they had roadie phones. <laughs> but wait a second. <laughs> but wait, are you mad that I didn't no. text you about this? Because you wouldn't have gone, right? Just I don't admi- know. I don't just know. admit you because wouldn't have other, gone. No, the other night I saw at Hollywood Bowl Culture Club and two other bands that I can't remember were oh, playing, man. and I was like, holy shit. That would be so fun. It was, oh, oh, you saw they were playing, but didn't yeah, I saw it on the marquee. It was right, right. Culture Club. Do you know who it was? Who uh, else? It was, I know it was definitely Culture Club <laughs> because you just said it. <laughs> uh, let me look it up. Oh, Missing Persons, I think. Like, I don't think it was Missing Persons because I just said Missing Persons. Oh, Berlin. Oh, it was Berlin. Okay, I've seen Berlin before. It was Culture A Club, Berlin, times. and then someone else awesome. 
It, um, I'll tell you who it was. You got Culture Club. Yeah. Um, that's all the information that and they, I've been able to come up they with. They played two nights at the Bowl, as far as I remember. As far as you know, they played two nights at the Bowl. I'll tell you what, every site I go to just lists Culture Club. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Um, come on websites come on websites just because it's something that happened in the past doesn't mean that we can't um check out who was there okay here we go ready Mm -hmm. boy george and culture club that's all they have on this jesus (laughs) christ come on uh i'm gonna look up hollywood bowl schedule it's Howard Jones and Berlin. Oh, oh, okay. I don't remember it being Howard Jones. I mean, I'm going to take your word for it. I like Howard Jones, but yeah. uh, but I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was Howard Jones and Berlin. I mean, that would be a a cool show. But they're filling the uh, the Hollywood Bowl for two nights. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, that's a big place. People like, people like Culture Club. They had a lot of hits. Too. They had a lot of hits. They were huge. But that's that's kind of what I was saying about been this. A while. I this, mean, Boy George been is a while. still still huge. The the one thing that I was I was saying about this show that I saw, Belinda was the only one with like like people were only allowed to play their hits. Yeah, and most of them are like one or two hit wonders. Yeah, so that's why they were just like yeah, only three songs a piece. In fact, Musical Youth played. Whoa. And they only were allowed two songs. And because they only have one song that they anyone has ever heard of. Past the Ducci. They, they played that, but then they had to play Bob Marley's One Love. Wow. <laughs> in order to just be like, uh, yeah, here's please, another please one don't, you know. Please don't walk out during Aww. us. Poor guys. But um, so you you maybe would have gone, gosh, just to even hang. But with, wait, how with was your Belinda Carlisle? She's good. She. This is a pulse pounding recollection. <laughs> I my one beef with seeing Belinda Carlisle is these are like K like Richard Blade hosted uh-huh. they're like K rock alternative shows and yeah. she's got pop hits she yeah she's not over. really a K rock artist she was for a while she, so she sure. definitely played a bunch of she played like two at least Go Go songs oh great which ones um Hi Were the Go Go's uh-huh. and Goodbye We Were the Go Go's yeah those are great songs. Um, I love the Go Go's. Yeah, I've seen so I've seen the Go Go's at the Greek as well. I saw them at the Troubadour. Whoa, when in nineteen ninety four? Really? Yeah. What were you doing at the? I was going to the Troubadour. Pulling to your see the over the, the They Troubadour? played. They got together and put out like a best of with a couple new yeah, songs. Yeah, a double then. disc one. Yeah, yeah, with three new songs. And they did like God a bless surprise the show. Uh, was it a surprise to them? Where like they were they invited were like, to what? Go- and it's like, surprise, you're playing a show. And they hand them their instruments. That would like, be okay. a really good idea for a show. Yeah. <laughs> they were so good. But, you know, those, well, I'm sure they would still be good. I think they're, yeah, they just, uh, did you hear their most recent song that they put out in order to try to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which they did? No. Why did they have to put out a song to get into the? Well, I think, okay, so they, they, put out that documentary about them mm-hmm. in order to kind of like I and I'm being craven about it like I'm this is me go, this is thinking that people have ulterior ulterior motives maybe played into a little bit or a lot but uh-huh. who knows but but 
they they realize they're up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so put out a documentary in order to make sure. everyone go like, "Hey, oh, this yeah, is an important, important band." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they put out a a, a, a new song. This is like a couple of years ago, twenty twenty, great year. Yeah, a real high point for our country. <laughs> this is probably the best thing to happen in twenty twenty. Wouldn't you agree? One hundred percent. Wait for the chorus. See what we think. That's the sound of a clock. I remember this in the documentary. Oh, you did see the documentary? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good documentary. Go goes. More like the went wins. The what? The went went. <laughs> uh, I mean, Pete wins. More like yeah. Pete wins. Um, what what if they came back, but the Went brothers uh, were uh, in the band? Never mind. The <laughs> I do I I loved them so much and do love them so much. So they did go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Did that already happen? Yeah, they got in. Oh, good. I'm pretty sure. Let me let me just check because that would be ridiculous if they did. I'm the king of saying things happened um and i don't want the corrections that we normally get uh but uh history a lot of stuff happened a lot of stuff happened documentary rock and roll hall of fame induction yes reunion tour no in 2023 belinda carlisle declared the group had disbanded hmm feeling like there was something to be said about leaving on a high note and it didn't get much bigger than being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Their last show was May 31, 2022. Oh, Jesus. So they did do They did like do, a- yeah. They did a, a, oh no, no, no. They they were they were doing a tour with Billy Idol that was supposed to be 2022 and then Billy Idol fell ill hmm. and it had to be postponed without the Go-Go's and then they broke up. Boy, hmm. I tell you, Seems like a uh, tumultuous uh, band. Yeah, it seemed like it was you know well a, gr- a lot of a, stuff. A lot on. of strong personalities, yeah. wouldn't you say? Which is which, which is, is why great. they're great. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, and by the way, uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or at least uh, at the show to celebrate the induction, uh, Gina Shock did not play drums. Clem Burke, the aforementioned Clem Burke from Blondie, played. Oh, interesting. Why not? Why didn't she? I don't fucking know. Okay. Jane Weedland's incredible. Yeah. They're all so good. They're great songwriters, too. Yeah. Kathy Valentine. Kathy Valentine's great. Incredible group. Uh, and they have, like, like even a uh, talk show. Is that the name of their last album? The last one is awesome. God Bless. Is it God Bless the Go-Go's? It, I think that's, like, later, like, after they Oh, oh, I, I know. But together. talk show is their last, like, classic period. Yeah, album. yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh, has the whole world lost its head? That was the '94 mm-hmm. reunion single that they put. Yeah, out. that yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, it was. And I, 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 I do uh, think their album, their reunion album, the God Bless the Go Go's, is great. Is like, it? I, I, every I song on it is really great. I think it's great. I don't know if I know. Yeah, uh, Adam's making a note to himself. <laughs> Pretend to listen to what Scott says. <laughs> Wait, when did they put out a reunion? It was like 2000. 
two. I'm going to get a little confirmation on that. 2001. Uh, do you want to hear this? a little bit of the single? Yeah. All right, here we go. This oh, is Unforgiven is. by the Go-Go's. we think that's pretty good co-written by billy joe oh really no billy oh. joe armstrong that's that's what i thought you were gonna say. <laughs> i think head over heels might be my favorite go go belinda song. played that the other night she hey, did yes. oh good head over heels clap dude i go yeah. da, da. it's a tough one to get the the clap right yeah it is and she even was like count like helping us count it she's like you gotta count to seven one, two, three, four, really? five. Yeah. She's like, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> or, or was it on the seven? I can't remember. But she says she has to do it in her head as well. Um, I saw, I once saw Anna uh, Warnaker. War, how do you pronounce that name again? Anna Warnaker. Warnaker. Yeah, I saw her sing it with um, with uh, one of the Go-Go's, with uh, Kathy Valentine probably. Who is that right? Mm. I saw her sing it. Mm. And with her husband, Steve McDonald of Red Cross. Um, I forget why that show was happening. I think it was a That Dog Show. I can't, I can't remember. In any why case. Why did they name the album Talk Show? I remember being like in the fourth grade and wondering, why is this called Talk Show? I think they were hoping for The Tonight Show to rename themselves as The Go-Go's. Ah, like the, the the go-go's starring johnny carson <laughs> yeah <laughs> it didn't it did it they, they were briefly? planning on doing a swap and I, yeah johnny carson renamed the tonight show for about uh, not that long about 18 months uh-huh. as the go-go starring johnny carson and then he was just like what are we doing yeah c- come on <laughs> the, the go-go's broke up and he's like i'm stuck with this name <laughs> yeah. now yeah and then the go-go's reneged and they would not renamed their album talk show as record album like they had originally planned i don't know anyway the go-go's great group (laughs) (laughs) how how you guys doing springsteen (laughs) Springsteen fans fans out there how we doing okay we need to take a break um can you imagine we need to take a break right now we're uh gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about um Born in the USA. Born to run. Oh, that's right. We'll be right back with more of you springing Springsteen on my beam. All over the world, the rain was born. I was scratching very... Hey, 
Welcome back. You spring and Springsteen on my bean. Back to the Go-Go's. I, yeah. just, just really quick before yeah. we get back to the Go-Go's. He's trivia for you. Okay. Who was playing on Thursday, July 13th at the West Palm Beach, Florida, I think financial amphitheater. I th- is that you saying I think finance or I it's called the financial amphitheater. <laughs> amphitheater. No, I think, uh, which is a company. Well, what about ampu- amputated theaters where I you th- go oh, and you get ampu- amputated? I think that's maybe what they meant. And there's mm. a typo here. Um, you know, this past July 13th. Yeah. Don't Google it. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, it's just a piece of Like, I'm of not even typing. My hand is literally like an inch above the computer. I know, computer. I can see you warming up those little <laughs> digis getting ready to <laughs> click, click. Uh, who was, who where is this? West Palm Beach, Florida, the, I think. I don't know. Financial <laughs> Amphitheater. How am I supposed to On Thursday, know? July 13th, who was playing there? Bruce Springsteen. No. Who? Uh, the, the Culture Club, Howard Jones, <laughs> and... <laughs> Fucking Berlin. That's where, that's where they played on July 13th. Okay. Very cool. You looking at their entire tour history? Well, it was on my phone when I opened are it. Are you looking for like where their future shows are so you can finally catch one? I had Googled you wouldn't go literally with Culture Club. one mile from your house. <laughs> that's right. That's where I'm going to go see them if I had a time machine. Would you have gone? To, to you that? Have, no, I would not have. You would not have? No. To Culture Club? No, no. To the show that I was going to invite you to. It was on a Sunday night. If, if you were... Saying, "Hey, I I have these tickets and and free it's ticket, with, yes, free if, ticket. Yeah, I would I would go with you if you were going. I should have invited you. You totally should have. I would have gone. Oh well, I don't. I, I it am, sounds like the people, like the crowd would have been uh, good people watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like every K Rock listener is, and I, I've been to a few of these K Rock shows. Mm-hmm. It seems like they all are." five years old, older than me all the time. And I always look yeah. at them and go, oh, they look like shit. And then yeah. I realize, oh no, I saw them last five years ago. I looked like shit yeah. to my, to me five years ago. Now I'm five <laughs> years older. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good, I, I still am on record thinking you would not have gone, but, um, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. We, you know what? We'll never, we'll know. never know. I'm out of the whole game of buying extra tickets for friends though. This has soured me on. Um, because you end up eating that ticket eating shit yeah it's just so uh, i i just uh, other than uh fleet foxes and and my morning jacket which cool up said she wanted to go to uh i just go by myself now did cool up go with you yeah she had a great time i feel you know i think i told the story on one of our podcasts where i got burned and had to go to Lollapalooza by myself once really what was it i mean when you're in your 20s maybe not that fun it was because you don't have something to get back home to you know what I mean? Like yeah. na- nowadays, it's like, hey, it's fun to go to a show by yourself because you're it's, like oh, away from the house. But it's th- fun to do anything by <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself. <laughs> but back then, it's like, oh, I'm lonely. Oh yeah, because all I, I there was a just a studio apartment. Yeah, with, uh, the one across from uh, mice Mayfair. living in it, waiting for me. <laughs> um, which uh, Lollapalooza? Hole and Sonic Youth were the oh, yeah. headliners. I missed that one, and I was like in third row center by really? myself. It was very weird. Were people looking at you like, who's this fucking loser? That's how I felt all day, <laughs> I'm but sure I'm sure no, no one, one ever had no any idea. idea. No. 
Um, no, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm just like, you know what? I'm cool by myself. In fact, this particular show that I went to without you the other day, yeah, I had the seat next to me open. I was like, well, at least I'll have a little more leg room. But yeah. then the four next to that were open. Whoa. And the people on the other side of those four were like, said, as they were passing me to get to their seats, were like, you need to come down and sit with us. Huh. And I was like, come over more towards me. I'm in the center. Yeah. <laughs> like, you I'm could really fr- like take your pants off and stretch out. Yeah. Stretch everything. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Um, but good show. Good show. And um, but we're talking about a little guy named Bruce Springsteen today. And um, no, let's let's re- let's get into it. Uh, unless you have any other culture club dates you want, <laughs> like past or present. I mean, I could. No, let's stop doing that. Um, one thing I did want to say is this is our third episode regarding Bruce Springsteen. And he has. N- Do you want to guess? Has he contacted us or no regarding our demands? I, I actually don't know. I haven't asked you lately. What do you think? Like, if you had to guess, what um, the preponderance of the evidence hmm. suggests. Well, if I was to go purely on uh, precedent, mm-hmm. I would say no. But I'm a glass half full kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Half full of what? Um, air because it's empty. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you, you're empty. You're a glass half full of of air yeah guy. meaning the meaning glass, the glass is, is empty 100 percent empty. empty and you're never going to get what you want that's right so you're an optimist yeah and it's also half full of air yeah uh i would say you know probably probably not would it surprise you then to learn adam that bruce springsteen has not called us Whoa. back you had me there for a second because <laughs> you said has <laughs> He has not called us, and so you know what that means. We need to up our demands. Yeah. Um, so he'll get in touch. So he'll get a little human touch. Um, when we left off, I believe our demands were three-hour interview, all chit-chat, um, six if little Steven has to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we talked about some merch. Yeah. Oh, t-shirts. I think, t-shirts. I think he want. I, I think he has to write a song about us. Um, yeah. Because I mean, look, we're recording these podcasts are even longer than albums he puts out. So like, right. we're we're doing the lion's share of the work here. Certainly longer than Born to Run this yeah. week's album. So like, come on, bro. Yeah. Like, write one four minute song about us. Just do your part. We're doing our part. We're doing the heavy lifting here. Yeah, Bruce. Anyways. What are you on tour or something? Ugh. So, uh, so I think we need to up our demands yeah. now. Yeah, I'm thinking instead of a three hour interview, three hours and one minute. Yeah, because you know, with real interviews, mm-hmm. like you watch Barbara Walters or Hugh Downs. Yeah, <laughs> any of those two, uh, either one of them, <laughs> either one of them. It's always the last 60 seconds. Yeah. Where they really get them. No, that's that's the thing is is like if you ever watch one of their interviews like those two. Those two only those two. They whittle it down from the from like a 5-hour chunk. 
Oh yeah. And they don't ask anything nah. of interest until it's the last chit chat. And until finally the interview subject is like goes and looks at their watch and they go, Did you kill those yeah. people? Where, where where were you on March 5th? <laughs> and then it's like who is playing July 3rd in uh, Palm Beach, Florida? <laughs> You got to lull these people into a false sense of security uh, so you yeah, can no, really look, hit them at the, in the last 60 seconds as they're out their door. Oldest trick in the book, the only people that were really good at it, Barbara Walters, Hugh Downs. Yeah. And us. And the two of us. By the way, something that we forgot to mention uh, on our last episode, hmm. Pamela Springsteen. Oh, we forgot to mention it. Although, uh, I wonder if we would have posted the picture... On the first step, but uh, but yeah, so Pamela Spring, I mean, we mentioned it the first step. The first step. You uh, had your some of your early headshots taken by Bruce Springsteen's sister. Yeah, Pamela Springsteen. Pamela Springsteen from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And, uh, and she was an actor in Fast Times? She was an actor, yeah. acted in a few movies, and uh, you said, oh my God, I just remembered that she took my headshot, and you then sent me that headshot. Yeah, I found... Weirdly, my Weird. daughter found it in a bunch of her crap when she was like cleaning out her room. You're, and she hold handed on, it on, to me and on. said, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> Why are you giving your daughter your headshots? I don't know. I found it in storage or something and gave it to her as like, a joke. Like, ha ha, look at this. I, I, you know what I did? I pinned it up on her like bulletin board <laughs> as a joke. And I think it just ended up getting covered with stuff. Over so the, she never took it down. She just covered it with think, stuff that she was more interested I think so. in. She, you know, I think it was up there, but still partially visible. And she was just like, just the eyes. My friends keep asking me why I have a picture of my dad on my bulletin board. <laughs> That's really board. fun, though. So you need to take this. Oh, I I would have gone the other way if I were her. I know that the the pressure to seem cool is is there, but I would have been like, what? It's pretty fun. Yeah, I would have kept it up there longer, but. Uh, so yes, you, you sent the photo to me and hopefully we put it up there, uh, in the social media or something, um, on that first episode, but that's, and, and what do you think of her technique and her style? You look pretty good. I thought, yeah, I mean, I look like I'm, you know, three years old. <laughs> it was a long time ago. What was that? Uh, 1995. Wow. So how long ago? That would have been almost 30 years, Jesus. 28 years at this point yeah. by my count. Um, she it, was very nice. I remember she was super nice. Well, I mean, you kind of have to be if like you want people to pay you to do something, right? Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> she, I, I also had headshots taken by people that weren't so nice. Really? What, oh, what are your, sure. some of your bad headshot experience? Wait, is this bad headshot experiences? 100%. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Bad Headshot Experiences. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're talking bad HSEs. Uh, HSHs. HSS? HSEs. No. Uh, you're right. <laughs> oh, experience. HMS. Pinafore? <laughs> um, you know the Billy... Who am I thinking of? Billy who, Joe Armstrong? No, who's the guy who played the guitar all the time with his teeth? Jimmy Hendrix. Billy <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix. I thought Billy for a while. Are you thinking of the ZZ Top dude? Yeah, Billy Gibbons. He played, when I saw Billy Joel in the spring, he came out and played. He got what they played, legs? I don't remember what they played together. I, you know, I don't, they did not play legs. It's all, I, 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 they played like a cover of an old blues song or something. Okay, so here's the three things that can happen when 
a special guest from another band, another big musical artist comes mm-hmm. out and plays with someone who's there to actually right. headline. What they usually do is they play on one of the headliner songs. Right. Snoozeville. Sure. It's just that was like... going to happen anyway. Yeah. Okay, number two is they play an old blues song. The cover of an old blues song. <laughs> Which it also, just... honestly, kind of snoozeville. Number three is play one of their songs. Yeah. Billy Joel, play Sharp Dressed Man. You uh, Like, what if the Sharp Dressed Man met the Uptown Girl? Whoa. They would love each other. <laughs> they they would. would get married. Because she's from Uptown and likes rich things. And you know that she's sharp-dressed as well. Yeah, So, and he's sharp-dressed because he's from Uptown uh, and rich. He's got to be from Uptown. This is, see, they probably already know each other. The original song, Uptown Girl, it doesn't make any sense because it's all about an Uptown girl who yeah. likes... Like a mechanic. Like a mechanic. It's like... That to, it, Isn't I've that never Billy s- Joel played a mechanic yeah. in the video? And he yeah. dances around with a wrench. That's right. It doesn't make any sense. That's never happened. No, no. no, rich people like to date other rich people. In fact, usually it's like, they go, hmm, are you a little richer than me? Great. Yeah. Perfect. No, no, no. Um, so Uptown Girl meets Sharp Dressed Man. It's a you match made in heaven. You got a song there, Billy. They're both rich. They both dress really well. Yeah. Because they're rich. And they go, they spend their time exclusively uptown. Yep. And they're a, they're a man. They're a girl. Yeah. And so they, and they, so, they, go, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. PB and J man and girl. Well, as do girls and girls and men and men, men and, and men whoever and, and whoever. Yeah. They, they all everyone, go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Which is the greatest combination. The greatest combination of things, yes. And we're not saying that men and men are like peanut butter and peanut butter. No, it's like no. peanut butter and peanut jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, that would be too much peanut butter. Yeah, but some people like too much peanut butter, and so that's great for them. Sure, but a man and a man are like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. A great combination. Yeah, great combination. The best combination. All right, bye. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> What a, what a great head of weird headshot experiences. Bad headshot Bad headshot experiences. Okay. All right. So, Bruce, three hours and one minute, and the clock is ticking. We yeah. need you to get a hold of us. Because it's that last 60 seconds. That we need. <laughs> yeah. We, we in you fact, know what? when it was originally three hours, we weren't gonna do the last sixty no. seconds of the hard hitting questions. Nope. But now three hours of chit chat. We won't even turn on the tape recorder and we record for the on tape. No. For anything until the last until 60 the last seconds. Six, and then we're gonna hit you fucking oh, hard. Man. <laughs> we're gonna come at you <laughs> with all we got. <laughs> Guns blazing. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> If you want, we can do that last 60 seconds before the chit-chat. Sure, but it's going to make the chit-chat fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're going to be sitting there mortified. Oh, you're, you're going to be blown to the back of the room. <laughs> but we'll do it. Sure. We'll do Whatever it. you want. Whatever you want. We can do it in the middle of the uh, five-hour interview. Three, hour Three unless, hours, unless little Steven's there. Oh, that's right. And you can't talk about music. <laughs> yeah, it's all chit-chat. <laughs> 
but you we can, you can, look we'll allow it if you want to talk about previous places the culture club howard jones and berlin that's have right played. you can talk about that because <laughs> you may have played some of those amphitheaters sure. We don't want to hear about your experiences. No. We want to hear what you think Culture Club, Howard Jones, and Berlin. What they how, played. What they played. Not how, not their, how, they how did. their experience was backstage <laughs> from your no. own experience. No. What they played. <laughs> and you can't look it up. No. At setlist.com. You have to know all their songs, too. Yeah. You're you gonna can't have to sing them. You're have to gonna come loaded for bear, just like we are with our hard hitting questions. You're gonna have to come remembering every single song Culture Club has ever played. That last 60 seconds, too. We're gonna ask you. Whatever we want, and it might be music, but it might also be other stuff. It's probably going to be pretty personal. Oh, it's going to be deep and tough. And by the way, you can't dodge any question. No. Or we start over with the three hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Bruce, look, it's just getting worse for you the longer you stretch this out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I've never heard... a better pitch for someone to come and do an interview i mean it's like we're we're giving giving him a christmas present with this know. you know what are you gonna turn down christmas presents no Eesh. no all right let's talk about this album born to run born to run great let's, title Burnout. great title great title let's let's do the stats here first Released okay. Remember the our previous episode? Uh, you have uh, the Wild, the Innocent, uh, Innocence, Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. Yeah, was released uh, tail end of nineteen seventy three. I think November, maybe. Mm -hmm. This is released August twenty five, nineteen seventy five. So a year and a half, maybe even a year and ten months after the previous record, which back then was a long time to a wait. long ass time because normally you'd put out. At least one a year. Yeah. Um, recorded at uh, in New York City, first at 914 Sound Recording Studios, then at the record plant. We'll get into that a little bit. Produced by Mike Appel, who produced the last co-produced the last couple of records, as well as a new guy named John Landau, who we will talk about. And then also on the uh, E Street Band side. Um, you have a couple of people who played one song. You have, uh, David Sanctious, who played uh, on the last couple of records, I believe. He plays, uh, on Born to Run. And, uh, Vinny, who was drumming on the last couple of records, he quit mm -hmm. in between. And so this other guy named Ernest Carter, who is David Sanctious's friend, uh, played on Born to Run drums. And then the two of them were like, we're fucking out of here. And they went and they started their own band called Tone. Great move. <laughs> Great move. So they they left after Born to Run. After recording after the After recording song. The, the song, which by the way, let's talk about what happened with this record. So... The previous two records come out and they brick. Wait, can I just say yeah. there's also a, a new engineer that joins yes. in the fray? Yes. Little. New a little guy with a big, big personality and headphones up the wazoo. And magic fingers for them boards. Yeah. Jimmy Iovine, this is where he enters the picture. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's all, right. all I wanted. 
bad. So uh, the last couple of records brick, um, they get the first one especially gets notice. Yeah. And uh, gets written up a lot, but the they don't sell anything. And so what I found interesting, by the way, did you watch the documentary on on the uh, on this record? No, I listened to the re-listened to the um, chapters in the, oh in, in, in the book. His book. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got the I got the box set with the documentary. Oh, it's like I a two hour two hour documentary and then oh, also sure. a two hour uh, concert. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, it's a the the, the concert Hammersmith from, Odeon from yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. So essentially, uh, what I found interesting was the record company says like, okay, you need a hit, otherwise we're going to drop you. And they give them a giant budget. Yeah. That's not usually how, usually it's like two albums. Take what we give you. Take what we give you and you better come up with a hit even though, you, but they, they gave them a big, big budget. Oh, wow. So when we say that these two people left after playing one song it's because he took six months to write to record the song born to run yeah and he just he lays down the the basic track this is the first time by the way that they the band did tracking uh and the first two records they played everything live in studio this is the first time where they do basic tracking which when we say that what that means is uh usually like Sometimes they'll start with one instrument, like the bass, and yeah. then add the drums, and then um, layer stuff on top. This time they they played drums, bass, and acoustic guitar to lay down the basic track. Yeah, and then they go and they just layer a bunch of stuff on it and try to figure out what works. And is part of that because he was looking for that Phil Spectory kind his, of sound? Yeah, in his head, he wants to do a Phil Spector wall of sound thing, production wise. With the songs, he is writing and rewriting and rewriting. In fact, he has a huge, thick notebook um, just for this album where he writes one draft, then he rewrites them again, then he rewrites them again, then he rewrites them again. Honestly, like, two great effects. Like, uh, yeah. some, of the, some of the later albums, you'll see, well, I have to get that notebook back out and try to rewrite some of these. Um, but um, he just is really trying to perfect this this record um, and he's pulling back a little bit, bit lyrically. It's not yes. quite as busy lyrically as those first two. So albums. it's interesting. In the, in the documentary, they play a promo ad for the one of the first records, and the promo ad says something to the effect of the announcers like, "This guy paints more images with more words yeah. in one song than most artists do in their whole album." Yeah, and and if you've heard our previous two episodes, that's what he's trying to do is like everything is dense. Yeah, the rhyme schemes are uh, almost gratuitously complicated. That's right, and and, he, the, and the band sounds like it's at a party. Yeah, and he's trying to really just put these images in your mind. He's trying to be a storyteller. Um, for this record, he starts saying like, you know what? I'm going to strip it back. I'm going to use less words. Yeah, and he's going for a feeling. On this, um, there was a quote that I want that I pulled that I wanted to uh, uh, talk about. The feeling is, um, people struggle to grow up and become independent, and to find out what that means. Wait, say that again. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you got to listen the first time. You're on your phone. Well, I was looking at the track list. <laughs> well, why don't you listen to what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. 
People struggle to grow up and become independent and to find out what that means to become independent and to grow up. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, right. So that's that's at least I think that's John Landau saying what he what the what the album is. But that's sort of the theme is like he wants to become more universal. He's not talking about Jersey anymore. Yeah. All the songs could take place in the heartland or wherever. Broadening it out. They're a little more universal. And it's all about these characters. He, uh, As Bruce Springsteen says in the documentary, he says this is the start of him talking about these characters that will populate his work for the rest of his career. Yeah. For decades to come. And, and talking about like freedom and breaking out of your circumstances and hitting the road. Exactly. And these big kind of broad themes. He uses a lot of... Uh, especially for the titles of songs he uses a lot of noir and b movie mm-hmm. uh kind of Im- imagery uh with like titles of movies that he thinks he either saw or thinks he saw so mm-hmm. thunder road is one which is the title of like just this b b car movie mm-hmm. uh car chase movie um well, and he, then he also wanted the 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 feeling of familiarity like feeling like you've been hearing this your whole life but also sounding brand new like nothing you've ever heard before he was trying to like go for that duality yeah it'd be weird if he was like i want it to sound like you've never heard it before but it's all songs you have heard before and then it's a covers record and you're like well i've heard all these he kind of said that in the autobiography which was (laughs) interesting but i i know what he means too when no he yeah he he all of the songs you're like oh my god is that a classic song yeah i have heard a million times and for a lot of us they are but um so that's what he's going for on this record. Um, and But he gets into the studio and it just becomes a slog for him yeah. where they go six months and they're, they're trying to do Born to Run, just Born to Run. Yeah. And he's adding everything. He's adding glockenspiels. He's adding... Yeah. Uh, at one point, they play a version uh, with just a string and a full choir. Wow. They in the documentary, like they turn down every other instrument, and it's just a, a full string section wow. and a and a choir singing to. And I would, by the way, I would love when they put out the deluxe version of this. They didn't have any bonus audio. Yeah, and I think that was before that was kind of in vogue. Like yeah. I think it's hopefully they're going to re-release it. At I some remember point having the, that box. It was like oh four or something. Yeah, and it's that, just yeah. the original album and yeah. two DVDs. Yes, you know, so it's like I think. Hopefully in the future they're going to go back, but I would love to ha- hear that version oh, for sure, a full version just of that, you know. Sure. But so he's just adding all this shit, and he doesn't know what to do. And um, we mentioned the other producer, John Landau, and so here's what happens. So he's just totally fucking lost yeah. in his own head, and this music critic, um, John Landau, puts out a, a review of a Springsteen show that he saw and it says, I've seen the future of rock and roll and its name is Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. And it just rhapsodizes about Bruce Springsteen and how, you know, this, this guy's the future and he's amazing. He's the best thing he's ever seen. And Bruce goes, I want him to produce the record. (laughs) He's not a musician. Well, didn't Uh, he meet him outside a club? And the guy was like, what do you, he's because, he, the way he tells it, he's reading the review pasted up onto the wall, and John Lando comes up behind him and is like, what do you think? Right. <laughs> and he's the one that wrote it, hilarious. and that's how they met. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a hilarious way to yeah. meet 
this this incredibly important person in your career. Uh, music, I mean, critics in general, I think, uh, are great and, um, you know, are, are sometimes they're just doing the criticism. They're, they're, first of all, they're great writers because they have to be. Uh, in order to put out so many reviews of things, uh, but but you you would you would maybe say oh, li- looking at something critically is a different skill set than producing a musical album, right? But uh, something that Bruce saw in him was was he saw a vision for what his career should be, mm-hmm. and this guy just kind of could pinpoint everything that was good about him. And made him feel like he was an important artist, I think. So mm-hmm. he basically goes, okay, I'm going to hire you to co-produce this record because I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Well, I think a lot of this this stuff just comes down to taste. And if you trust someone's taste, that goes a really, really long yeah. way, no matter what their technical abilities are. Yeah. If you have someone who you trust, who you can like forge this like connection with With any kind of art. Yeah. You usually run it by people whose taste you trust. And if they're, you know, like you came to the between two ferns movie screenings that I, that Mm -hmm. I was having and you, you kind of, I remember certain conversations where you and Jason Manzoukas and some other people were hanging out in the halls and kind of telling me what you think. And every time you would talk, I would kind of roll my eyes and go, Jason, what do you think? You would put headphones on whenever I started (laughs) speaking, but it was headphones playing REM. And so so, you were happy and you were like, it worked. That's fine. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so, so this guy, John Lando comes in and the first thing he does is he looks around the studio and, um, he goes, this place is a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's on its last leg. We got to get you out of here. He goes, and, and I thought, I thought the, the, the funny quote was you're a first class artist. You deserve right. a first class studio. That's right. And you know, when you hear that, if you're the artist, you're like, Oh, you're yeah. right. I do. But, oh, totally. but John Lando is saying this to a guy whose first couple albums have basically ate shit. And he's just like, no, 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 you're a first class artist. You, we need to go into like a big expensive yeah. studio. It's important for people to hear stuff like that. So they, cause especially for someone like Springsteen, who's like come from the very bottom, he think he's still thinking of himself as like as struggling. A Jersey only deserves yeah that shitty studio yeah so he needed someone to come in and tell him no you're world class go to the incredible place yeah so they go to the record plant um and they start working on it there and basically john lando's job is just to kind of listen to stuff and go like uh this is all out of order this song is this song is great and needs to be on the record this song is not so good you know he's just kind of the tastemaker guy yeah um and then a couple of interesting things happen, which I think are very funny. This is also where um, a guy named Little Steven enters oh, the picture. Shit. So Little Steven comes in. He's he's you know he's been around Bruce Springsteen. He's been with uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, and but he's like you know he he's friends with Springsteen. So he comes into the studio one day and they're playing Born to Run. Well, there are a couple of things he does this day he comes in. They're they're trying to play, uh, I think, uh, uh, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, right? And um, the horn section, they have, I think Springsteen had written the horn arrangements or something. So they're all like trying to play them and it sounds like shit, right? And they're all like, the horn players are like, I don't know what I'm playing here. This isn't all that good. And, li- and little Steven is there. And the way he puts it, he goes like, well, the way I grew up, I didn't, I'd never been around a studio 
I didn't know you were supposed to be polite or anything. <laughs> so he goes, I just didn't, I didn't have that in me. So I was just like, no, 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 no. Here it is. And he goes and sings all the horn parts, the ba ba da ba da, you know. And he like sings the hook of the song. Yeah, right? he sings it to every single player and goes, "No, you you sing, you play this, you play this, you play this," and then they all start playing it on Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, and they're like, "Oh, this is incredible!" Yeah, this and, is the song. And that's there's there are two different versions. Springsteen supposedly turns to John Lando and goes, "Time to put him on the payroll." Yeah. And that's where he joins the band. John Lando says, like, in my recollection, that night I called you and said, like, we should hire him to be part of the band. But that's where little Steven starts. The other really funny thing that he does, which I think is very hilarious, if you know the song Board to Run, is um, the guitar part. Uh, Springsteen had a different guitar part with one subtle little change, which is the, you know, the part that goes... Down, 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 that's way better. <laughs> and Springsteen says that is the probably the biggest contribution to his music that uh, Little Steven ever did. <laughs> That's amazing. Because that really is like when that that riff kicks in, yeah, uh, the audience goes nuts. It's crazy. Time. Yeah, but but and and also they had layered so much shit on top of the guitar playing yeah. it that Little Steven didn't even hear the bended note as much. He goes, no, 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 the note is this. Because I think he grabbed his guitar to start playing in Springsteen. He's like, no, no, the riff is this. Do, 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 do. Will Steven's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the, it gets to that note anyway. He's like, why bend it there? Just yeah. play it. Don't, don't be like Beckham. He was like, please don't be like Beckham. And even though that movie and uh, David Beckham had not, David Beckham probably hadn't even been born yet. He wasn't even were, a gleam in his father's nuts yet. They, they they were still talking about him as a great soccer player. Exactly. So that's that's the little Steven. That's how little Steven joins the band. The and other, he ends up only on one track, right? And then the horn arrangement for, for 10th Avenue. Reason. Probably, yeah. So maybe he's more towards the end. The other uh, important person who comes in is a guy named Max Weinberg. Oh, shit. Hitting the skins. Yeah. And essentially what happens is uh, Vinny leaves the band. And God, what a fucking. What a move. Wow. And then um, uh, this other guy, Ernest Carter, drums for Just Born to Run. Yeah. And but then he and David Sanctious leave to go start their own band, Tone. And so Max Weinberg, I think, uh, comes in. They, they audition. Um, for keyboards and for drums. And um, Max Weinberg comes in and he knows one song. He knows Sandy. I think he only knows uh-huh. that. But he knows like, it, he pl- then he plays like an oldie or something like that. And they're like, okay, fine. Like he's, uh, uh, according to the documentary, they saw a lot of shitty people. Yeah. And I, he said in the thing that they, everyone got a half hour 
the right. jam. Whether no matter how bad or great you were, <laughs> can you imagine you get to play with us for a half hour? And there were a bunch of really shitty people. But <laughs> can you imagine with having to sit there after five minutes I with know. someone who's terrible? So, so Max Weinberg he joins, and then a funny thing in the documentary is is he didn't play on Born to Run, and there's a part in Born to Run in the in the sort of middle part that and they they isolate it and you hear it and it's kind of this weird jazzy thing that happens in the middle of it and he goes i have literally never been able to replicate this and i've tr- i tried it and tried it and tried it when i joined the band and i've never been able i still can't play it to this day so i've eliminated it from born to run i've never Whoa, played it i wonder like what this. part that is i I'm watch the documentary it's, it's, it just like sort of does this weird time this jazzy they isolated in the they isolated and it's huh. just, you know this strange little part. He goes, I, I have, I, I don't have the skills oh, to play that part. Um, so Gary Talent and uh, Gary Talent David is Sanctuous, still there. They, they no, form, Gary Talent is still there on bass. Uh, Ern- not Gary Talent. Ernest sorry. Carter and David Sanctuous. Right, leave. right. They go and and form Tone. Is Tone a jazz, jazz band? It sounds like I the w- name of a jazz. I wouldn't band. know because nothing ever happened with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they are in the. Uh, at least I think David Sanctuous is in the documentary. Um, and then the other the other guy they hire is a guy named Roy Bitten. Yep, and legend. He ends up playing with uh, them um, for a really long time. In fact, I think still is playing uh, with them, and uh, so that's that's a very those are two important hires, and this is kind of where the uh, Edible Street Band coalesces. Yeah. And they now we gel. got something here. So they 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 start working in earnest. Now they have John Landau there on this record and they cut a whole bunch of songs and uh they whittle it down to the eights that are on the record. Approximately uh by my count, I was counting along with it. I think it's about 39 minutes and 23 seconds. Wait, let me check that. Give or take. I've got 39 minutes and 23 seconds. Yeah. So you were counting along too? Yep. Yep. Wait. Yeah. Wait. That's what let I me that, Let me check mine okay. too. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, here's how I did it. Basically, I just, uh, you know, 1001, 1002. Yeah, Okay, we have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to listen to these songs. We'll be right back with more You Spring and Springsteen on my bean after this. 1010, 1011, 1012, 1013, Hey, welcome back. You spring and Springsteen on my bean. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we're talking about born to run, and um, born to run, born to run, and uh, yeah, they they finally get this uh, record out, and they get the eight tracks. There's a little bit of hiccup um, in the final mastering stage. They talk about how basically. They're mixing the album in three different studios while they're rehearsing for the tour upstairs. Right. And 
they get out at like, like they rehearse it on the day the tour starts, they're rehearsing at six in the morning while they're mastering the album. They finally like finish rehearsal, listen to the album. They're like, okay, that's good. And then they get in the van and they, they go to the first show. Um, and then someone like when they're on tour, someone brings a test pressing of the, of the mastering of the album to get the sign off. Yeah. And apparently it sounds the, the record player, they were listening to it on sounded like shit. So he throws it into the pool and goes, fuck this record. I'm not, uh, putting it out. And then, wow. <laughs> Jesus. And then someone has to go like, okay, buy a new, uh, record player and, they listen to it again. They're like, okay, I think it's okay. Yeah. John Lando was kind of like, um, you know, it's probably, you're going to look back at this and probably be, you know, end up being not satisfied with some of it, but that's life. You yeah. know, it's the kind of the best we can do. We have to put it out. We have to put point. it out. It's yeah. the best we can do. And they're like, okay, well, let's put it out. Um, the one thing that, uh, John Lando was upset about was they misspell his name on the cover and the funny quote in the documentary is he says, well, I said, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> and they put an H in his name. Um, and so they, they go, well, but we've printed pressed, eight, all we've these, pressed yeah. you know, 800,000 of these. And so what they do is they then print up all these stickers that go over Whoa. <laughs> and they, they, have someone put the stickers on every God, those ones must be worth so much. Now. Maybe. Yeah. There, yeah. there are a few test pressings that are in, instead of the font, they're in cursive or something. And those are like the Holy grail of all Springsteen. What's in cursive? The, the born to like oh, born to wow. run and all the, all the song titles and everything. Oh, wow. Um, I love the font they ended up. Using. I know. It's so cool. It's like the, all that jazz font. Yep. Um, all right. So they put it out and, uh, you want to get to it song by song. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, this is, we heard a little bit of this before break. This is Thunder Road. Now they talk about how every song has an intro and this is likened to like daybreak. Like, hey, something's about to happen. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, oh, what a beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. The screen door slams. Mary's dress Already so different from everything he's done like before. A she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me and I want you only. Don't turn me home again. I just can't face myself alone again. Don't run back inside, darling. You know just what I'm here for. So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore. Show a little faith, there's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Oh, and that's all right. You can hide, you can cover and study your pain. Because the lover's stories isn't around. Waste your summer. Thank you. 
hard not to play the whole thing because it's know. just like, like that's sort of the chorus right there where he's singing Oh Thunder Road. So great. He mentions Roy Orbison at the top, which is yeah. another, by the way, we were talking about how we got into Springsteen back in 80, I guess seven or 88, I think, whatever uh, Roy Orbison put out his re-recordings of all of his old songs that David Lynch produced. Um, it was like a best of record that David Lynch uh, produced new versions of all oh, of his wow. classic records. Um, they Was it the live concert? No, it was came? before that. Oh, oh. Um, so this is like 87, I think. Uh-huh. Um, it was after Blue Velvet, essentially, where where uh, Dennis Hopper... was it? No, no, sorry. Uh, uh, Quantum Leap. Dean, Dean Stockwell. Oh, Dean Stockwell. <laughs> right, Scott right, right. Scott was his blue velvet. Uh, Dean Stockwell lip sync to an, to yeah. uh, In Dreams, right? Or Only the Lonely? Um, so then that got people interested in Roy Orbison again. So David Lynch then and Angelo Badalamente, I think, also uh-huh. worked on it. And one other person worked on it where they, they did re-recordings of all uh-huh. of his news. And that was the first Roy Orbison record I ever bought. And they quoted Springsteen's um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction speech for Roy Orbison. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, Springsteen, that kind of square guy from yeah. Born in the USA, likes Roy Orbison and talks right. about how like all of his records were very influential on him. Yeah. And I think I think you hear it a lot in yeah. in the in the melodies, especially, and in the longing, yeah. you know, of all these and the kind of more theatrical singing when you compare it to the previous two records. And the fact that he was doing a Roy Orbison impression. Yeah. And dressed like him and wore sunglasses. That's right. And then after that was like the Jeff Lynn Roy Orbison album. Yes. Stuff, so right? so then Didn't they that start the crate. That the started new, the yeah. new thing, yeah. And so that and that is the hilarious uh I call it hilarious because of one inst- one moment in it, but that that was where they did the black and white night concert. That's right. Where That's he's right. got this incredible backing band of Elvis Costello, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, Tom Waits, you know, yeah. like doing all these old songs. And um, we've talked about it with Paul F. Tompkins, where they point to Tom Waits and say like, take a solo. And then he plays the worst fucking solo in the world. And they all look at him like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Not really a, a solo, solo player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, already the already like the lyrics are less dense. Yeah, he's talking about rolling down. You know, he's talking about cars and and it's just so confident and mm-hmm. so good and feels super classic but brand new at the same time. Kind of like how he was saying. Um, one of the I'm going to go out on a limb. One of the more classic Bruce Springsteen tracks. <laughs> yeah, somewhat famous. <laughs> But a great way to to start the record and not a single though, not a single. No, which surprises and, me. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the singles, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I also just love. He played a little on all, all these songs were written on the piano, not the guitar. Mm-hmm. And someone talked about how oh, it's interesting a guy who can kind of like is very halting on the piano writes interest a little more interestingly than a guy who's a virtuoso and yeah. knows everywhere you can yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of like, how's this going? You know, when yeah. you see him on the piano and um, the whole, every song having an intro and trying to set the scene in a theatrical way, I think is yeah. a really interesting way to write. And kind of introducing us to these characters. Yeah. Um, this song was covered by such people as Cowboy Junkies. 
Um, they did Thunder Road? Yeah, you want to hear a little bit? Yeah. All right. Here we Love go. Love Cowboys. I know. Didn't you uh, yell at them on the Dennis Miller show? I did. <laughs> Do your impression of listening to them right the now. Screen door slams. What I said Mary's at the Dennis Miller show. Waves. Yeah. Like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. But then he has Roy Bitten like re-record all the piano. He doesn't play it on the album, right? I'm who? Springs. He just writes the songs on piano, but he doesn't actually like play much. Oh no, 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 no! Springsteen just writes the songs on piano himself, but then he plays the guitar on them. Yeah. So this is like one of the examples. What of like, album did they do this? For? Uh, Neath Your Covers, Part 1. Ah. Uh, oh, all cover. Yeah, a cover record. Um, Badly Drawn Boy also does this. Let's hear a little Whoa, bit of that. Just him on piano, I believe. I oh, know, a little bit of melodica, sounds like. Mm-hmm. God, those first few Cowboy Junkies albums are great. It's almost like you're a junkie for the Cowboy Junkies. <laughs> I'm a junkie for cowboys. The screen door slams. So a couple of instances of taking it slow, but then you have Greg, Greg Kinn also did a cover Greg of it. Greg Kinn? Whoa. The screen door slams. Mary's dress waves. It's interesting, because how do you improve on it? Yeah, it's like covering the Beatles. Yeah. Which I think you and I should do. Yeah, let's do an album of Beatle covers. <laughs> That'd be a great use of time. I mean, maybe better than this. <laughs> yeah, why do this? <laughs> it just kind of points out how deficient you are as a songwriter when you cover Bruce Springsteen. So those are some some of That's the, not very nice to say about great a great artist. Great songs. Yeah. Um, so great start to the album. Yes. A plus, Bruce. Really cinematic. Great, great, great start. C plus. <laughs> Was this? <it? laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So this is track two. This is one of the more famous Bruce Springsteen songs as well. This is 10th Avenue Freeze Out. This is the song that where uh, little Steven, listen to the horns. And this is the little Steven horn arrangement. Here we go. I mean, most of these songs, they still play every show. This is sort of the mythology of how the E Street Band got together. I think he's saying Bad Scooter, which is BS, means Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. Um, there's a 
part, he says that the middle is the most important part where he's like, I'm all alone, I'm all alone. And then it go, then that part goes into uh, the big man joined the band. Uh, right. Um, and then everything gels, essentially. Yeah. He's talking about Clarence Clemens. When you see him, when you saw him right after Clarence Clemens passed away, he would say like, this is the important part. And then they'd go, the big man joined the band and everyone would freeze would and a big stop. picture yeah. of Clarence Clemens would yeah. come up. Now you still see the picture, but they play through it. But yeah, he's all alone, all alone. Huge moment whenever they play this live. Here it is. Change was made uptown. Yeah. There's the big man playing. So here's my thoughts on 10th Avenue, Avenue Freeze Out. By the way, he doesn't know what 10th Avenue Freeze Out means. Uh, he's like, I have no idea what that means. It's just important. <laughs> um, I it's such an such an important song and one of the best moments of any show. I would rather listen to any live version of it more than I would rather listen to the studio take of it. Why is that? They just all the live versions have more energy, and yeah. this is a little kind of simple uh-huh. to me. Like just knowing what the song becomes. Yeah which is this incredible wall of sound moment. Yeah, yeah. It's a little... This feels more antiseptic and studioized. What do you think? It's never been on my list of favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, Hmm. but I like it, and it's super fun live. I think it sounds good on on the album. It's just... This, I believe... It it, feels more of its time than the rest of the album to me. I believe this is the song where during the Super Bowl, the uh, fake ref came came up and uh flagged uh, uh threw yeah. a flag on right. uh, Bruce classic <laughs> moment <laughs> which made me laugh um but but the live versions just sound incredible i think yeah so so that's that's always for, fun for me it's it's interesting because i it's the one song that i th- where i think the studio version is just not good enough that's you interesting. know usually i can separate a studio version from a live version pretty well uh but this one is just like oh man i wish they had cut like a version six months later yeah well they probably the song probably just grew so much on the road yeah well even even in the live uh hammersmith odeon show that was recorded two months after the album came out it already sounds way better yeah Yeah, so i don't know okay so uh maybe you should cut uh 10th avenue freeze out some fucking slack All right, let's go to track three. This is a song called Night by Bruce Springsteen.
night. Man, that is some good shit. It's so interesting because this is probably one of the... There's eight tracks. Yeah. This is probably like number six or seven in terms of important on this record. Yeah. And it, uh, sounds, it sounds amazing. It's incredible. And it is like not one of the quote-unquote classic songs yeah. that everyone knows but it is he plays amazing. it he plays it a good amount on tour yeah. it's always a treat to hear it yeah. um it was recorded in the wall of sound style where a yeah. bunch of instruments play at the same time and you hear kind of a wash and bleed in yeah. between the mics where you hear like the guitar which has a mic in front of it but it, you also hear the guitar playing on maybe the sax players yeah. you know so it's like everything is sort of bleeding together um sounds great i love it very hard to mix i yeah. guess I would but, imagine. This sounds very alive. Yeah, one of one of the great tracks on it, but it's so interesting that it's considered lesser Bruce Springsteen in a way. Is it? Just well, because I mean, it's not like one it's of not the one famous. of the top uh, one, two, three, four. I mean, there's there's five songs in here that are like considered classic four that are stone cold classics and one that's a classic but it's on an album that's considered one of the yeah. great albums of all time so yeah. i guess they're all pretty but it's not what it's i would say it's not a song that when you go like name your favorite bruce yeah. springsteen song it's going to be Night. maybe uh, yeah not a lot of people yeah. yeah but it's great it sounds amazing um let's play the final track on side one this is backstreets by bruce springsteen oh is this one by B- bruce springsteen Classic. Classic. What do like we he think plays that essentially every show, right? Or not, no? Not lately that much. Did, is he not playing it on this tour currently? I don't believe he is ever. I well, thought I th- he I did. Think he, yeah, I think he is. I think he's back to playing it. 
you're right. Um, but yeah, it's it's usually on best ofs. Yeah. What do we think of it? I love it. I love this song. You what? Yeah. Are you not as? No, I think it's great. I I out of the out of the Holy Grail four, which yeah. I would say Thunder Road, Tenth Avenue, Freeze Out, Backstreets, and Born to Run. It's probably four for me. You don't put you don't put She's the One in that. That's Holy the Holy Grail. Grail five. Yeah, that's what I mean. You don't expand it to five. No, I'm talking about the Holy Grail four, not oh, okay, the Holy sorry. Grail five. Okay, what about the Holy Grail five? Probably four. Huh. All right. <laughs> no, it's probably five out of the Holy Grail. Like I would choose ninth over Backstreets personally. Yes. If I was choosing my own Holy Grail four. Well, I'm saying the Holy Grail four of like the most important, canonically the most important Bruce Springsteen. And I'm songs. saying canonically my favorite of the That's Bruce not Springsteen. Canon. Your your favorites are not canon. For my own personal canon that I. Keep you in go my brain. Fucking work your own personal cannon over in the corner while I <laughs> talk about this. You're right. <laughs> I don't know what you're right about, but you're right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, SCC. SCC. Okay. Well, this, uh, the next song is the 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 first song on side two, but when you're listening to it in order on. CD. It's the fifth track, which I think. That's right. I think I don't know. I get with Thunder Road being number one because it's got the sort of like, oh, what a beautiful morning intro. Yeah. But then I think you go into Born to Run. I don't know, but uh, it's the centerpiece of the album. It truly. This is the song they spent six months recording. This is Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I want to um, try and find that part that Max Weinberg can't play. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's in the da, da, it's in da, the like breakdown. Yeah, the, the breakdown in the middle. Let's talk about it while we're waiting for it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, does it get better than it's? I don't know. Amazing. This would be topping the list of almost any. It's like fans. one of those songs that it's hard to imagine not existing. Yeah, it's hard to imagine them creating it because that means it didn't exist before. Like them. how do how do you sit there and come up with a ah! I know. I don't know. I I guess you wander around the house going ah! Oh, that was pretty good. Ah! Yeah, oh, that's yeah, what okay, it sounds yeah. like. You know for the entire encore at the Madison Square Garden shows, they had all the house lights up. Right. Did I mention yeah, that? You, you, you yeah. did. I can't remember on mic or, or if it was just in our personal conversation, which would have surprised pe- listeners to know that during the breaks, we're talking about Bruce Springsteen as well. 
uh, which for like one song might be or here. hold on it might be here that it might be that dun, 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 yeah. dun. it's weird that Max Weinberg can't play that he's like one of the when you hear it isolated it, it, it is really complicated uni- complicated yeah. and, you, and it's like this weird jazz fill huh. um so now we we spoke on our first episode about how I don't even think I had ever really heard that song, or at least never heard it with fresh. Maybe heard it on oldies radio or something yeah. like that. And never paid attention to it. But on one of my favorite albums of the '80s, "Welcome to the Pleasure Dome" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yes, they have a whole. That's a double album, and one side of one record is like all covers. Yeah, and. It's how that side of the album starts. And is born to run. Is born to run. And I Whoa. heard it. And my my friend put on that record and I hadn't heard it. And I was just like, this fucking song kicks ass. Let's hear a little bit yeah, of it. Yeah, one of them. does sound good and especially hearing it in the context of like yeah electron sort of electronic two tribes relax type yeah just suddenly going into this it sounded so fucking good that it made me reassess and you didn't know it was a bruce springsteen song i i i knew like i looked at the record and i saw it was the bruce i'm like oh yeah this is the song everyone talks about yeah and it made me love this song yeah, that's awesome. I just remember being a kid when Born in the USA was huge and not no and later when I started kind of tuning into Bruce Springsteen, then seeing there was something called Born to Run and thinking it was odd that he had two born albums. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what about what about the being born a teenager <laughs> with ultimatum? The born, with the born identity. Um but it's uh, an incredible uh, song and an incredible recording. Well, okay, so let's listen to track two on side two. This is She's the One. You were mentioning She's the One. This is, you know, I would say Holy Grail 5. Yeah, HG5. HG5. But, um, I mean, it's a, it's a classic, and he still plays yeah. it, and it's incredible. I just don't think, like, when you're talking about the most important Bruce Springsteen songs over the breadth of his career, you're not going to go like, oh, uh, She's the One. Yeah, it? but you it's know. a big fan favorite yeah it's it's incredible this is she's the one by bruce springsteen with a kill of graces and the secret places that no one can fill with a hands on her head oh and that smile on her lips she knows that it kills me With a stuffing screen standing in the door Like a dream I wish she'd just leave me alone Because French dream won't stop When the boots and French kisses Will not break the heart of stone With a Oh, 
the song hasn't even really kicked in yeah. at this point. Still in sort of intro territory. Not in, I mean, obviously, because they're doing the... Here it goes. The Bo Diddley... The Bo Diddley beat. beat. I was reading something recently about how the Bo Diddley beat is almost like a cheat code for making a song good. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, The Bo Diddley beat, of course, you know, on so many Bo Diddley songs, but also on songs like... Desire! Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in the it came back in the '80s. A lot of people were kind of the Fat Boys. Yeah, and then um, Grateful Dead were doing uh, a Bo Diddley beat or something. What did they use it on? It was just sort of it was all the boomers making music in right. the late '80s. Like, hey, remember yeah, when yeah. we were young in the '50s? That's right. Um, but this is this is 1975, so it's not that yeah. far removed. That's that's what's in, when you put it in context of like how soon after yeah the stuff he's referencing is yeah. but he's 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 turning it into classic Americana yeah. and trying to make it universally recognized as that whereas when a lot of the stuff came out it was like disposable just that's like right. music but he's trying Bruce Springsteen is trying to turn it into something. That meaningful. will last for meaningful. Yeah. That will be universal to people. That will give you a feeling of what it was like back then, but then turning it into something yeah, more because, eternal. And it's not a throwback. It doesn't sound. Yeah. He's completely crafting something new using. It's it not as, like Billy Joel's, you know, Innocent Man record where he's like, okay, this is my nod to doo wop yeah. and like all these sounds of the fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Springsteen's trying to trying to make a new sound out of it while nodding to these old kind of soul stacks yeah. records and the Bo Diddley beat and you know yeah that's a great song as far as I'm concerned <laughs> alright so then uh, the second to last track this is about a meeting um, that Bruce Springsteen had which took place across the river <laughs> this is a song called Meeting Across the River by Bruce Springsteen another intro So slowing it down a little bit, kind of reminiscent of the first two records, I would say, out of anything. It's a song about the narrator's 
asking his friend Eddie if he'll loan him some money and they're going to go meet, meet a guy. The river. <laughs> uh, I guess originally was uh, on original pressings. The song is called The Heist. Oh, really? Implying that it's maybe about a robbery. I, I would imagine that's what it implies, yeah. <laughs> um, it is my least favorite song on this album. Kind of, for me, works as a preamble to the next song. Yeah, which is a monster. A lot of times they're played together. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's like an intro to the next song, which is a 10-minute song. Yeah. The final song on the record is it's 9 minutes and 36 seconds. But if you view these as a pair, it's, you know, almost 13 minutes long. Um, the next song is Jungle Land. It's a big one. It's a big one, and it's hard to even talk about or listen to a snippet of because it's another one of these songs that kind of has a lot of different parts. Sweet. Um, but let's hear it. This is... Or a sweet. Jungle Land by Bruce Springsteen. Is this one by Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Always a treat to hear it in concert, yeah. Because you know you're in for ten minutes of ecstasy, yeah. If you've Rock brought and ecstasy. roll paradise, <laughs> um, and this is just part of it. Uh, you know, it's still going to go on for another uh, seven minutes plus, um, and then have this incredible sax solo that Clarence Clemens does, yeah. which uh, they talk about Clarence Clemens recording this for 16 hours straight. Wow, really? And Springsteen just kind of, after every take, going, again. Like, not saying anything to him. Again. Jesus. Again. Jesus. Again. <laughs> that was kind of his, like, he's, you see a little bit of footage, he's just, like, slumped over. Yeah. <laughs> so out of it, just going, again. <laughs> wow. Um, but then Clarence Clemens hears it 
all cut together from all the various takes. And he's like, oh, holy shit, this yeah, is the best. That's why we did it. Yeah. So many times. Um, we'll keep it playing underneath while we talk about it. Maybe we'll get to some of the sax solo. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of everything that... You know, you would say like Born to Run is the epitome of a Bruce Springsteen song. He's talking about cars. Yeah. He is talking about the longing of trying to be somebody and get out of somewhere. Um, and like a blue collar lifestyle that these people are trying to break mm-hmm. out of. And so that's sort of the epitome. But I, I also think this is kind of the epitome of the Bruce Springsteen sound in a way. Yeah. Of this has everything. This has the twinkly piano to yep. start with, slowing kicking in with all of the instruments. Yeah. Um, it has a big all long of the clarin- musical instruments. Sure. Here we go. Oh, here we go. still wow we're still going yeah he would play that he played this in concerts get a big spotlight on him yeah it's amazing Um, and he played this for 16 hours yeah like just variations on it and spring saint bruce would kind of go like why don't you try this and then kind of sing a little bit like wow How much more of the song is there? Are we like uh, there is another three and a half minutes yeah. of the song still to go? I think it goes into this new kind of part. Um, yeah, just you know, what a great way to end the album too. Yeah, this big epic, and it doesn't like suddenly cut off in the middle. The song goes all the way to the end, which I think is great. When yeah. you're listening to a record, it doesn't you, it doesn't yeah. abruptly stop in the middle. You don't want your songs to end before they're they're done. Yeah, because you had to pay for that album. Exactly. Yeah. Like maybe there would be a warning sticker on it, like warning. Is, yeah, th- this album ends 
abruptly in the middle because yeah. we ran out of tape. Yeah. Beneath the city, two hearts beat. Soul engines running through a night so tender. In a bedroom locked in whispers of salt. So this is sort of the coda. This is the end. And then it's getting to a big finish. Um, I mean, good stuff. Yeah. Good amazing. album. We'll let it play out a little bit. But uh, so so essentially, this album comes out. They, they put out a rough mix of Born to Run, and they leaked that to radio stations. So everyone um, was very anxious and... Uh, wanting to hear this this record it came out and i mean it definitely is like a classic now but the singles did not here we go the end between what's flesh and what's fantasy man the poets Um, Born to Run, the first single, got to 23. That's as high as it got. I know. I just, I saw that and it's bizarre. Yeah. But the album was huge. No. That's what's surprising is it it was not. Um, 10th Avenue Freeze Out was the second and last single. And uh, that only got to 83. And the album did... Okay, but he was on the cover of Time and This, this is what happened. So the album comes out and the hype machine is just off the charts. Yeah. Because people have heard it and they go, this is incredible. He gets on both the cover of Time and Newsweek the same week. Crazy. Which is crazy. Like they were saying in the documentary, sure, the cover of Rolling Stone, I can understand yeah. that. But how does someone get on the cover of Time and Newsweek yeah. the same week? The time cover was more of your typical, like, hey, this is Bruce Springsteen. Here's why you need to be paying attention to him. Um, the Newsweek cover was more of a, is he really the new Bob Dylan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like trying to examine the hype about him. Yeah. But still, it led to everyone going like, oh, here's a guy we need to be paying attention to. He goes out on tour. He goes to England. Uh, he gets really upset at all of the hype yeah, yeah. in England. Um, there's like a he gets to one gig and there's a big banner that says like the next big thing. Uh, yeah, like England is finally ready for the yeah. next big thing, and he like tears it down. Yeah. There's a bunch of flyers on every seat that say similar things. He tears them off the seats. He tells people to stop selling these buttons that say the next big thing yeah. or something. Um, and he's basically like rebelling against the record. Like he's trying to control the reception to his own art. Um, whereas he doesn't realize like, I think in retrospect, he's a little like, well, they were just trying to help people yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Um, but he also, he doesn't want the audience to have these expectations. expectations he wants to yes. earn it all himself. So I think it even, he, he talks about the, the, the DVD that's in the box set of this complete gig. He left thinking that it sucked. Yeah. And he never revisited it until they put out that box set. He was kind of like, well, let's go back and maybe there'll be a couple of good songs on it. 
we can pull for a retrospective yeah. and he watches the whole thing is like oh no we were great yeah yeah um so so he's a little bummed at the hype the album doesn't do incredibly but a lot of the songs like become staples on AOR radio yeah. album orient, uh, oriented radio yeah um and so that kind of gives him enough momentum to keep going yeah um but i wouldn't say that he's like I wouldn't say that the record company is like, we got a slam dunk here. So it really isn't until Born in the USA that he's just like untouchable. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. I think, I think for some reason I thought Born to Run was just huge. It seems like it in retrospect. Culturally. And I I think that it since then has sold a lot. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Especially since Born in the USA. But. At the time, I was surprised too because it was kind of like, "Oh, this is the one where now he can do whatever he yeah. wants." And no, it it, uh, it apparently he still is like struggling a little bit. Huh. But but I also feel like maybe who knows if they're overplaying that and just the fact that it's so well received yeah. and um so many radio stations are playing so many tracks all the time yeah, yeah, from yeah. it that maybe even though it didn't chart and it didn't sell incredibly that it's fine and yeah. that that the record company is like yeah yeah you're you're yeah. important you're on the cover of time and news we keep doing your thing it's probably also why later on in the late 70s when people are taking his songs and using them and getting hits yeah so he was had really mixed feelings about that yeah habit. yeah it's yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of outtakes from the record have been released. Linda, let me be the one was released on tracks as well as so young and in love. Um, hear a little, so, so young and in love. Um, I like it. Definitely sounds like E street band. I wonder how it would have fit on the record. Like maybe if the re- like it's a thirty nine minute record, yeah. maybe if it were like in the CD era where you could get away yeah. with putting out putting out a fifty. It's minute so record, cool that they put out an eight song album though. Yeah, I, I know. You know, um, good shit. Yeah, awesome. So we feel like it's a good record. I think it's fine. Uh, yeah, one of the great albums, and it gets super interesting from here too. Like. He hits this huge peak artistically. So we'll, we'll wait till next week. To no, find I know. Out I'm just what, saying uh, it's really interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that does happen is essentially his manager, Mike Appel, um, he and John Lando don't get along. Right. And uh, Jimmy Iovine is being generous to both of them saying like, well, they would usually take it out of the room. And, yeah. but uh, Mike Appel, who just had championed Bruce Springsteen since the beginning and been like, um, a very combative uh, personality from what uh, everyone says, like fighting for him. Uh, Springsteen essentially says to him, like, I don't want you to manage me anymore. I want this guy to manage yeah. me and fires Mike Appel. And that leads us to where we'll pick up on the next record. Apparently the incident at the theater in London with all the flyers everywhere was one of the one of breaking, the breaking points. points. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Um, and then Mike Appel uh, ends up not working again in the business. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, so that will lead us into the story of what happens with the next record. But uh, at this point, we're riding high on Born to Run. Oh, shit. And um, that's going to do it for this 
episode, Adam. Mm-hmm. And um, anything else uh, we want to say uh, regarding? I think we've said it all. You think we've? This is the final word. It's like <laughs> when Howard Stern is trying to get rid of someone on a show, and he's like, "Listen." You've said it all. And you know he's just like done. <laughs> I think that our comments on this record will be probably quoted in the reissue campaign yeah. whenever they put out a box set about New it. New liner notes. Yeah, exactly. Just so, using and w- everything we said. Honestly, we'll probably end up managing him as yeah. well. We'll become the new John Landau's. Absolutely. Because of everything we've said about Scott him here. Scott and Scott Landau. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Uh, but until then... We hope that you found what you're looking for. Bye. Faded pictures in an old scrapbook. Faded pictures that somebody took when you were hard and young and proud.